worker. We're so thankful for you. So, um, like I said, we've been over this. I passed this one out. This is the third week I think I passed it out, or maybe fourth. So what we're talking about, we started out talking about rejoice evermore, and then we're talking about praying without ceasing. And we're talking about how we can do that, how we can be in an attitude of prayer, not meaning that you're constantly speaking and praying without ceasing, but we can be in an attitude of prayer. Um, I think I've read this quote by Adam Clark. Now this is the third week in a row, but the religion of Christ was intended to remove misery. We are dependent on God for every good. Without him, you can do nothing. Feel that dependence at all times, and you will always be in a spirit of prayer, and those who feel this spirit will be found in the exercise of prayer. And so it's, it's probably the one thing that the church in the 21st century lacks the most of is prayer. And I am so thankful that we have a prayer class that Sister Pam leads I'm always thankful when somebody tells me I think I want to go into prayer class. I say, praise God. Because the more prayer that we have, the more heartfelt prayer that's lifted up to God, the more we practice praying, the more we, exe- the more we, we give in prayer, then it, it just, Jesus, the, the Bible says four times, three of which Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Isaiah said it once, but Jesus, quoting Isaiah three times, said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And if you look those three examples up in the New Testament, you'll find that each time Jesus uses that phrase, the next verse describes things that should occur in houses that are houses of prayer. And prayer makes the difference. Practice makes the difference between winning and losing, and prayer makes the difference between receiving your answer and not receiving your answer. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But a prayer of faith has to sooner or later give away to an expectation that God is doing what you're praying for him to do, and then that faith becomes an expectation of hope. And until you see it with your eyes, love keeps you moving forward. You can't just pray about it and walk away from it. You have to pray in an expectation that God is doing what you asked him to do. If his words abide in me and my words abide in him, which means that he and I are saying the same things, then I can ask what I will and it shall be done. So to be in an attitude of prayer, we talked about two of these Uh, types of prayers that we can pray throughout the day. Throughout the day, any time of the day, you can begin to pray a prayer of adoration, a prayer that worships God just for who he is, a prayer from me to God about God. And any time of the day, you can offer up a prayer of adoration. Thank you, God, because you're my Lord. Thank you, God, because you're my king. Thank you, God, because you're my rock. Thank you, Lord God, that you've got me in the hollow of your hand. Thank you, Lord God, that you're immovable, that you're not changeable, that you're my blessed hope, that you're my kinsman redeemer. Thank you, Lord God, that, you have, that you're beautiful, that you're lovely, that you're a provider, you know. Just begin to 
speak of the attributes of God. And it's so important. It's so important that you understand the attributes of God. Because the bigger God is in your eyes, the more faith can do to answer your requests. The bigger God is in your eyes. You know, when, when you were a kid, most probably most of you had a, had a dad that was bigger than life to you when you were, when you were little. You know, your, your dad, he was, man, he could leap tall buildings. He could fix anything. He was, your dad was the, the apple of your eye when you were little. Now, as we get bigger, we find out he's just a man. But whenever you're little, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. And as long as we keep that attitude with God, <laughs> my, my father can heal. My father can set free. My God is great. He's powerful. And prayers of adoration help reinforce that. The second is a prayer of communication, which is a prayer from me to God and from God to me. To know that we can speak to God and, he, and we can have a conversation with God. Maybe not as easy as you and I have conversations, but God speaks to me in, three, diff in two diff three different ways. He speaks to me first, sometimes in communication. Sometimes he actually speaks within my spirit and I hear his words. Sometimes he speaks to me through, through intuition. I just know what he wants to do. I just know because I'm with him and I have a relationship with him. And sometimes he speaks to me through my conscience. He says, don't do that. He says, do that. My conscience, a, a, a real communication, and sometimes intuition. But God speaks. And as you talk to God, he talks back to you in those three ways. And so we have prayers of communication. Prayer from me to God and prayers from God to, and God's word to me. The third one I want to talk about tonight in the next 10 minutes is the prayer of intercession. A prayer from me to God for someone else. A prayer from me to God for someone else. I wrote this down. Can God's mind be changed? Can God's mind be changed? What do you think? Can God's mind be changed? It, let, let's look at let's look real quick at James one, the book of James one, first chapter, and let's look at verse twenty five, Hebrews James, James one, verse twenty five. James says, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what is the law of liberty? He says, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. So what is the law of liberty? According to... Uh, 
a commentary from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. He says, the law of liberty is the gospel rule of life that allows us to walk at liberty from, away from the servitude of sinful passions and lust. The principle of love takes the place of the letter of the law so that the, by the Spirit we are free from the yoke of sin. So the law of liberty is that law that God gives me that sets me free from the law of sin and death. He who the Son makes free is free indeed. It's the law of liberty. It's the law that, that gives me liberty from the, 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 all the, the wiles of sin. Look, look with me at chapter 2. And let's look at verses uh, 12 and 13. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So if we're judged by the law of liberty, how are we judged? And verse 13 tells us, For he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So God's mind can be changed. Why can God's mind be changed? Because we live in an age of grace and God's mercy is extended to us. His mercy, even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, it talks about God tells the people what's about to happen, but it says his hand is stretched out still. His hand is stretched out still. Look with me at Exodus 34. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 34. Genesis, Exodus. God appears in front of Moses, and this the Lord passed by Moses, and the Lord proclaimed some things about himself. So I want you to listen. Exodus 34. Verse 6, what the Lord says about himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, that will, no my, no means, that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children and upon their children's children unto the third and to the fourth generations. God extends mercy. He extends long-suffering. <laughs> he extends compassion. He extends grace. So God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And because that is God's heart, I know that whenever I've done something or whenever a culture has done something or whenever a country has done something that deserves the wrath of God, I know that if I will fall upon my face and I will begin to intercede that the mercy of God will show up and he will turn away the wrath of God into the mercy of God. You believe that? Let's, let's, let's look at Amos. He's an Old Testament minor prophet. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. 
So open your Bibles to the middle, start to the back. You've got Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You've got the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then you get into the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos. And let's look at Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. <coughs> Amos chapter 7, 1 through 6. And I want, you to, I want you to listen, think about what we just read about God and his mercy, right? He was merciful, but at the end of that it said what? By no means forgiven the iniquity of the wicked. It, it, something like that. It didn't exactly say that. Let me get it exactly what he said. Because I want you to see this. Exodus 34. Let me, look, let me read that. You don't need to turn that. It says, the merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant, keeping mercy for thousands, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and their children to the third and fourth generation. So uh, Amos chapter 7, thus hath the Lord God showed me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth, and lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. And it came to pass that when he had made an end of eating the grass of the land, then I said, O Lord, forgive, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? He is small. What's the next verse say? The Lord repented of this. What, what, what did that mean? The Lord repented? Did he do something wrong? No, no that word translated repented. And Does anybody's Bible have something different? What is that? Relented. Relented. And, and that's, the, the, it's, it's uh, the, the word repented, the word that's used there is, is best templified by a sigh. Like we avoided that. That's, what, that's, how that. that's how that word is best represented from the Hebrew is a sigh, a, 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 an, exp, an, ex, um, an expression of relief, relented. An expression of relief. He, whew, he re repented. Relented. Why did he do this? It shall not be, saith the Lord. Why did he repent or why did he relent? Why didn't the, why didn't the grasshoppers show up and destroy the crops? Did y'all read the same thing I read? I'm just wondering. Why didn't it, why didn't it happen? Because Amos said, forgive, I beseech thee, Lord, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. So what did he do? What did he interdo? He interceded. <laughs> that was the answer to the question at the same time. What did he interdo? Do, 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 do. He interceded and God repented. So can God's mind be changed? Yes. Let's look at verse 4. Then the Lord showed unto me, and behold, the Lord called to contend by fire, and it devoured the great deep, and it did eat up in part. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small, and the Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord. What changed the Lord's mind? The prayer of Amos. Are y'all getting this? You're awful quiet. Taking it in. The prayer of Amos. Let's look, let's look at the next passage. Then the Lord showed me, and, and behold, the Lord stood upon the wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. Do y'all know what a plumb line is? 
Chad, you want to tell us what a plumb line is? <laughs> it's a, it's a it's weight on the end of a string. That's yet, yeah, exactly. That you use. That's exactly right. It's used to make a line, to make a level, to make it straight. So a plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set my set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not again pass by them any more. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house, and the land is not able to bear his words. So what do we notice in this last example? Amos did not intercede. Not to say that God would have changed his mind, because Jeroboam had sowed seeds of unrighteousness. And the Bible refers to the cup being full. And when the cup is full, because what, not forgiving iniquity, but, but bringing that down to the second and third and fourth generations. So there are some things that the cup of iniquity has filled up for, and, and they will, they will come to pass. You will reap what you've sown. Even if you get saved, you still sometimes will reap what you've sown. Not all the time does God does an intercessory prayer stop it, but, but all the time, but all the time, an intercessory prayer will temper it. Does that make sense? What am I saying? I'm saying that an intercessory prayer, two out of three times here, stopped the judgment that was coming because it appealed to God's mercy and God's mercy was sufficient. The third time, Amos' prayer did not stop it, but if you keep reading, it tempered it. If you sow wild oats in your youth and then you grow up and you start reaping those wild oats, let's say you get saved as a, as a, a young adult and those things are out there and they start coming up, God may not remove them all but he will give you the strength to be able to endure it, to be able to go through it. He will temper it. He will time it. He will help you to be able to endure it. So can God's mind be changed? Yes, God's mind can be changed. Look with me at Romans. Oh, goodness, I've gone over. It's not my fault. Real quickly. Well, the boys are swimming. <laughs> I hear them out there. They're having a good time. Romans 8, 26 and 27. This is something that's so important. You hear me? This is We're going to end with here tonight, but this is something that's so important when it comes to intercession. 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us and also helpeth our infirmities. For we, listen to this, for we know not, what we should pray for as we ought. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you don't know what's going on. Sometimes the Lord puts a burden of prayer on you for somebody. The Lord may burden me for you or the Lord may burden you for me and you don't know what's going on. You don't know why you're feeling this way. You don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. 
I said the Holy Spirit knows, and we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit itself can make intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I have been in this church before praying for a situation and all of a sudden not able to speak anymore, only groans coming out of me because the spirit, the deep of my spirit was interceding to the deep things of God. And it wasn't me to know what was going on. It was only for me to make that intercession. Verse 27, he says, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints. How? According to the will of God. Hallelujah. If you're interceding according to the will of God, then I'm telling you that thing's about to move because it's God's mercy that causes an intercessory prayer to be able to be able to move mountains. In the book of Ezekiel, real quickly, he said that there was no intercessor. He said, there was, he said he marveled. He marveled that there was no intercessor. And because there was no intercessor, there was no one there to pray to the Lord that he might relent, that he might repent. And therefore, they suffered the wrath of God because there was no one crying out for mercy. If this nation's going to be changed, it's going to be changed by a church that's crying for mercy, that's chasing after God and calling those things that are not as though they were and are interceding for this, for this, for this country. And I want to end tonight with this section, and then we'll pass this out again next week. Man, can God trust us to intercede? If God wakes you up in the middle of the night with a burden of prayer on your heart, can he trust you to carry the burden of prayer until we gain the assurance that the spiritual battle has been won? Can God trust us with that burden of prayer? Stand with me tonight. I'm sorry I went over. I'll try my best to do better. He says, and nobody said amen. <laughs> Thank you for let. Thank you for letting the Lord move in your heart tonight. Thank you for being a God chaser tonight. It's. I don't care that I didn't get to finish. That's fine. So, yes, ma'am. Real quick. Real quick. It needs to be really, really fast because I already got girls gathering at the door. Uh-huh. All right. Praise God. That's the prayer of intercession. Right there. That's good. Thank you. I didn't mean to rush you, but that is the prayer of intercession. Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God, for this service tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. And now we pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let your Holy Spirit minister tonight, Father God. Be with us, Lord God, as we leave this place, Lord. Bring us back together at the appointed hour, Father, and we give you praise in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.